the sleeper and the bust. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press player, press support. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper and the bust. The sleeper and the bust. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotographs editor Eno Saris. And today we are going to continue our discussion of the updated consensus positional rankings that we've been posting all week on Rotographs. But first, as always, we got to discuss the most interesting player alive today, and that is Mike Trout, who seems to be the most interesting player alive of the last year. What else? Seriously, what else is there to say about Mike Trout? Um, he's he's a, good <laughs> he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. I mean, what I think was so great about him going into the season was that we were all it was a, there was almost an agreement across the fantasy community that he would regress, and the question was just how much and how awesome he would be after regression. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to roll it back as much as I could, and I got pretty close to what he's on pace for right now. So, um, I mean, I don't I think that, you know, he's a hot week away from beating, you know, a lot of the, the projections that people came up with for, for his, the regressed Mike Trout. Yeah, he actually got off to a bit of a slow start. Uh, I remember that early on, you know, he would go weeks without a home run or without a steal, and people were wondering, especially his steals, because his steals were down, and he came into Tampa a little heavier than most expected. And people, I think, were a little concerned about him, but he's picked it up, and now he's right back on pace for nearly a 30-30 season. So, once again, he's doing it all. Actually, there was a very interesting debate. I had watched MLB Now the other day. And they were talking about him being moved to left field and Peter Borges playing center field. And Harold Reynolds was arguing that they should leave him in center field. This is Mike Trout. This is a Hall of Famer. You don't move a Hall of Famer to make room for Peter Borges. Uh, Any thoughts on that? Because, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, regardless of the name, you put out your best defensive outfield. And they think Borges obviously is a better center fielder than Trout, as good as Trout is. And I... I would agree with them uh, because agree that he should be moved or he shouldn't be moved. I think how- I, I would agree that that I would agree with that the fact that Bor- Borges is the best defensive center fielder. Yeah. Now he's not really showing that this year in the metrics, but I think that just I just from having watched and you know thinking about their respective pedigrees coming up. Yes, everyone said that Trout is a great defender. And he does have the sort of hops to, 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 to reel in home runs. But Borges is a flyer, and he's stayed thinner. Um, and I just think that he's, he's the, more, the, the more stereotypical defensive center fielder. Now, you, if you had a better offensive left fielder, you could definitely make Borges your fourth outfielder that sort of came in for everybody you know, gave Trout a day off, that sort of deal. But yeah, they can trade back for Vernon Wells. 
Uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy. What the hell happened with Vernon Wells? Uh, but anyway, I, I think that the, the only thing that the only sort of reason that I hear the 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 mat the uh, the reason within the madness that is um, Harold Reynolds is that. You know, players, if you look at sort of the Manny Machado situation and, and you think about other players that moved off their position early, I think the player, there's a lot of inertia when it comes to moving in positions. And the sort of Miggy Cabrera situation is the very, very rare situation, which is once you move to a position, you're usually at that position or a worse defensive position going forward. So if, if Harold is saying, you know, I wouldn't move Mike Trout off of center field because that means he's never going back to center field. Then I hear something there that's interesting. But, um, you know, in terms of what the best, the best outfield is for them right now, it's, it's with it's Borges and center. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think the argument, I didn't listen too closely, but I think the argument was basically look at what he did last year when he played center field, Let's not mess with it. Who knows what might affect him emotionally. Maybe he's not as comfortable playing left field, and maybe it affects him at the plate. We have no idea. We know what he did playing center field. Leave him. Don't touch him. And put Borges, who isn't as big, obviously, of an offensive threat, maybe not as much in their long-term plans. Move him to left field and do not bother touching Trout. Leave him be. I think that was the argument there. And I, I can understand that. I mean, he's a great player. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy with Borges uh, sticking with him in defensive metrics. And I think this is actually one of the reasons why a lot of people hate the current defensive metrics. This year, his UZR 150 is negative 22 and a half. That's absolutely terrible. That's like a league losing level, like like the worst in baseball. I mean, I don't have a ranking list, but that's a level that's absolutely terrible. And that follows up a 40.8, which is a league leading and absolutely incredible last year. So you wonder how the same player could be could go from the best center fielder in baseball to one of the worst in two years. So I mean, some I, of it's got to be. I mean, they were actually using Burgess in um, in different spots, in a, you know, in different parts of the outfield. But also, uh, Burgess is having leg issues this year. Ah, so I know he had a hip problem last year, so I wonder if maybe that's affecting his speed and, and uh, his range, but it's interesting. Hip and hamstrings, he's adding hamstrings to it this year. Oh, man. Yeah, that's not a good combination, and that might explain why he has a whopping one stolen base this year in only one attempt. He's only actually attempted uh, five steals in 200 you know, 50, actually like 300 plate appearances. He's only attempted five steals. So clearly, yeah, his legs are affecting him on the base paths, and it would make sense if they were affecting him uh, in the outfield defensively as well. All right, let's move along, and let's get to our updated consensus rankings. We're going to start off at second base, and, and the first guy where it seems like the four of us were pretty much in agreement with Jed Jerko. He was ranked 23rd overall in the th- Four of us were between 20 and 25. Great minor league stats, especially last year. I think he had 30 home runs between his minor league stops. He's been a bit of a disappointment so far, even though he did gain his second base eligibility in a lot of leagues. And if you can get a 20 to 25 home run guy in a middle infield position, uh, that's quite valuable. But he hasn't really shown that yet. Yeah, and the, the spots where he got that power uh, were so conducive to power that 
you have to think about that a little bit. So he was playing in a real hitter's park last year in the minors, is what you're saying? Yeah, and yeah, and now he's not. <laughs> no. So uh, and, and then you have the added variable, just like power takes forever to really know what you're dealing with. So um, you know, it go up in our rankings, and I think that we're generally we we like him to a certain extent. Um, I think that he probably has the upside of maybe league average power with a couple added stolen bases, but and at second base, that's definitely useful in a lot of leagues. But I'm not sure it's top 12 material. Um, you know, maybe he has top 12 upside in on base percentage leagues if he he shows the walk rate that he he showed in the minors. So there's a little bit something there, but beyond that, he looks sort of like a 260 hitter with maybe 15 homers full season. Yeah, I think he's more like replacement level in a mixed league. If you have some injury issues uh, in your middle, then he's not terrible. He's a guy that, you know, has the potential for a hot couple of weeks to help you if you have injury issues. Maybe you have an Aaron Hill injury. Maybe you had Hanley or Reyes and you're just kind of flipping through middle infielders. He's a guy who might be somebody to take a chance on. Uh, to note, he has a 30% line drive rate. And only one pop-up all season long, which means that his BABIP should be quite good. And it's it's above league average at 327. But those batted balls actually suggest maybe a higher rate. Of course, I don't think that's sustainable. But it is showing that he's not being overmatched. He looks like he is ready um, for a full season of hitting. And you just have to hope and cross your fingers that the power does come but it might not just based on his the the parks and the fact that you probably have to adjust those minor league numbers downward um when he's in a much better pitcher's park uh this year uh how about another guy danny espinoza who uh our rankings were between 18 and 26 22nd overall he was actually ranked one ahead of jed jerko and he's playing with, what is it, a partially torn rotator cuff or some shoulder injury. I mean, he's playing through an injury. We know this right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. But, uh, but you know, I just I hate talking about stuff like that because I don't know. I don't know what's going on in his shoulder. Yeah, I hate injuries too. I, that's my number one pet peeve. Like, for example, Matt Kemp. We know he's coming off of shoulder surgery, but we don't know how much it's affecting him. We don't know how much of this is a slow start. We don't know when he's going to regain his power. All of a sudden, he's gonna, he could hit five home runs in a week, and we're going to be left questioning, oh, does that mean his shoulder is fine? We just don't know. And injuries are the toughest thing to uh, deal with in fantasy leagues. Yeah, they, they for sure are. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, Zimmerman's work. He does help a lot in in terms of you know what we can tell, what I like about Zimmerman's work in particular is that he looks at sort of the results, what we can maybe infer about their health from the results they're getting compared to sort of their 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 results career. So that's why that's why we say, hey, Kemp usually has more power than this. Perhaps he's a little bit hurt because he's not showing power right now. So um, I do enjoy that. With Espinosa though, he's been all over the map. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I don't think he's a by-low guy. He's only attempted one steal all season. Last year he had 20 steals. So if his speed is gone, and, I mean, of course he's not getting on base very often, so that might explain things. But we know he's playing through the injury, so his power might not come all the way back. He's batting like seventh in the lineup. He's never hit for average. 
So we're left for, with a guy who might be like a zero category contributor. That's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he and we came in thinking we'd have maybe a sort of a Cameron-esque uh, low batting average second baseman with 2020 upside, but uh, he hasn't quite done that, and he's really not taken off on the base paths. So I don't know. All right, here's another guy who's been quite a disappointment and he's gone through this before he actually had a very slow start last year and then he had a big second half and that's Ricky Weeks who we currently rank 15th and he got dropped in the rankings a bit uh I would say it's just basically because his lineup spot I mean he opened the year I think he was hitting second and now he's kind of hitting sixth and seventh with that slow start and that's going to hurt his runs and RBI production for sure if not you know, an inability to make contact. Yeah, uh, his contact rate was never very good, and this year it's even worse. I mean, the good news is, is he's his uh, walk rate right now is fantastic. It's actually the highest it's been since 2007 at 14%. Um, his batted ball profile, actually, it's a bit weird. He's hitting a ton of ground balls, well above 50%, and that's obviously going to hurt his power output. But he's hitting fewer uh, pop-ups than usual. He's hitting more line drives than usual. So it looks like maybe his BABIP is a little lower than it should be. Maybe he's got some batting average ups. I mean, of course he has. He's only batting 187. So, yeah. Yeah, the last time he had anywhere close to this many ground balls, I mean, I guess 2010 and 2011, no, I mean, nowhere close. He's never done anything like this with the ground balls for a full season. And the last time he was over one and a half, he right now he's having um, is over two ground balls for fly ball. And the last time he had one and a half ground balls for fly ball was his first full season when he hit 13 homers. So I have no idea what he's doing. Um, but he's, you know, he's not a career plus Babbitt guy. So even if he's showing the sort of profile you might expect from a guy who could get a little luck, you know, get a little bit more or make a little bit of luck on balls in play. I don't necessarily think he's that guy. But it is, I mean, it is really interesting to see how he's leveled his swing, swing playing out. I just, I don't think it's going to work for him. Well, who, will you do, who do you think has a better chance of rebounding to their preseason projections between Weeks and Espinosa? Weeks, for sure Weeks. Because... Because I think for Weeks, there are fewer negatives than Espinoza. I actually think that Weeks looks pretty decent. I mean, there are a couple of negatives, but I think there's more positives. And I think he actually makes a pretty good by low. I mean, he, at the very least, he's attempted six stolen bases. So, you know, that's six to one. That's sort of a big deal because the stolen bases will help sort of pad the batting average risk. Um, you know, they're both striking out way too much. They both have a sort of a history of striking out too much. Um, but Weeks has done, has done better to get more out of his bad batting average um, in the past, I think. So uh, I'll bet on Weeks. Also yeah. longer track record, I think. And plus he's not playing through an injury that we're aware of, at least. So that's always yeah. positive. Yeah. All right, let's move along to the next position. That was published this morning, and or I'm sorry, it was actually posted just before we started recording. It's, it's the uh, the shortstops, and I'm going to blame you, Eno, for screwing up my rankings. 
on Jose Reyes and Hanley Ramirez, and now everybody thinks I'm a dummy and forgot that they got injured. So thank you very much on that. Oh, I hate ranking season. <laughs> Everyone's got a change to make after I put that up, and it's not easy. And then everyone yells at us. <laughs> yeah, rankings, to be honest, rankings during the middle of the season are very difficult because I generate my preseason rankings based on my projections and then I value the players. And so it's all quantitative and mathematical. I don't have to put any thought into the rankings themselves, just the thoughts into the projections. But I don't actually update my projections in season. That's just way too much work. So having to analyze all the players and then dealing with injuries and trying to figure out when these guys are going to come back healthy is quite a monumental task. And then Eno has to put these all together. And so it's a lot of work. And so commenters appreciate what we have and thank us in the comments and say, great job. And it'll put a smile on our faces and we'll uh, be happy. I like the, the uh, at least with the shortstops, the, a lot of people said, I, I really like this series. Here's why you're an idiot. So I, that, 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 that actually makes me feel a little better. Also, um, the nice thing is that, you know, I did change the third base rankings uh, to reflect your updated Hanley uh, Ramirez rank. And um, it didn't move him at all. So the nice thing about having consensus that I think is that there's four of us. And if any one of us did like actually in like in your case, sort of, you know, would, would like to re-rank or, you know, mix something up, it doesn't make a big deal. You know, like if, and so Zach Sanders hates Josh Rudledge. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe you can have him on on Sunday to talk about it, but um, you know, the, that's okay. That's okay because it balances out a little bit of maybe perhaps my love for him because I really, I really see Josh Rutledge as a guy who's about to go off. Um, he's got he's got the perfect home park, and he's got the same sort of approach that uh, Segura has. He doesn't necessarily have the 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 stolen base upside, but I think he does have the power upside, and um, and I just you know he's doing everything that he was supposed to that he's done in the past and he's had super intense hot weeks and months in the past and uh he's a balls and play guy he's a guy who makes contacts puts balls in play those are the kind of guys that have crazy months so i think rutledge is is just around the corner for some nice things um and uh you know i just like the power speed combo i want i want everything i want something in every in every category and i see Segura sort of, you know, anyway, that's that that's a topic for another time. But what I'm talking about within these rankings is that I like Rutledge, Zach doesn't, we balance each other out. Yeah, and Rutledge was also ranked in the second base rankings, and now we're talking shortstop. And speaking of him, I actually want to ask you, because I could under you ranked him fourth among all shortstops, and his consensus was nine. Uh Jeff Zimmerman, I guess Zips loves Rutledge because Rutledge was ranked third with Zimmerman's Zips methodology. I ranked him 12th, Zach 19th. So I can understand, you know, you liking him better than Elvis Andrews, uh, Alcides Escobar, uh, Esdrubal Cabrera. I don't have a problem with that. I don't personally rank him there, but that's not a big deal. I don't think there's a huge gap between those players. However, better than Ben Zobris really surprises me. Explain yourself, please. Uh, ben Zobris is a is a patience and um, and a little bit of a low contact guy, so not as many balls in play. And uh, we've seen from him that 
his true talent batting average is about 250-260. So, you know, when I, when I look at, at his player page, I, I think I know where Zimmerman, because Zimmerman is actually a combined zip steamer. So steamer likes Rutledge for a 289 batting average, and Zips likes him for 13 homers and 14 stolen bases the rest of the way. Uh, to just And both of them, if you sort of combine them, uh, you'd get a projection of uh, somebody that's about 285 and uh, would end the season with almost 20-20. So you're basically talking about Zobris with a better batting average. It, 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 that's what I'm seeing. Um, He's also in a better spot in the lineup. He gets third in the Rays lineup, which is going to give him a much higher run in RBI total, I would think, than Josh Rutledge. Well, Rutledge is bouncing around, second second and sixth. So some days he's in a better lineup position, some days he's in a worse. Um, I also just look back at uh, Rutledge's first about 400 plate appearances, um, and uh, he's already in 400 plate appearances. He's at 14 homers um, and 12 stolen bases, and he hasn't been caught once. So I really like the fact that he hasn't been caught once. Um, and I'm comfortable with him being a, a 290 plus. Uh, I really think that he's going to get some balls and play run really soon. Um, and I like him for about 290, 2020. And th- I'll just take that over Zabris. All right, let's get to one more shortstop, and then I want to get to a Twitter question. Uh, that's D. Gordon, who we ranked 18th overall. I was the most optimistic, which doesn't really surprise me. Uh, I ranked him 13th. You were the second most optimistic at 17. So what were the assumptions, uh, especially playing time, uh, behind your 17th overall ranking for D. Gordon? Well, my assumption was that he would take the job and run with it and that the fact that the Dodgers could not uh, assemble a an appropriate third baseman while Hanley Ramirez was out made me... Uh, comfortable in projecting D Gordon into a, a playing into a sort of a almost starter role going forward. So I see when Hanley, when Hanley comes back, you think that D Gordon is going to play every day at some position. I do. I mean, not necessarily third. I think that Hanley should be the third baseman. D should probably be the, the shortstop, but there's also um, second base. Uh, Mark Ellis is off to hurt and not that great. So I just see a lot of opportunity there. Someone pointed out in the comments, though, that Everth Cabrera, um, did he end up you know, shy of D. Gordon's overall ranking? Uh, he was one behind. So it's, Gordon was 18, Everth oh, Cabrera yeah. was 19. Oh, well, then I don't feel so bad because don't get up my butt about one ranking. But, uh, uh, you know, as for, you know, would I take one over the other? The, the, I do see a little bit of a window of upside uh, beyond Cabrera with D. Gordon because I think that he can push the Babbitt, um, and it, he also strikes out less. So Cabrera, to me, is like a 250-260 hitter um, with good steals. But um, to, to me, I don't. I, D. Gordon is a little bit more exciting because I don't know that he's a 260 hitter. He, he might be, but I don't know that. Yeah, well, the most exciting thing I think for me, for D. Gordon, is that in his short stint in the minors this year, his walk rate 
doubled basically from previous seasons. And you wondered, is that for real? And if it is for real, that's huge. It makes him now a potential true top of the order guy. And so far, tiny sample size, of course, but his walk right now is nearly 11% after putting up a 6% rate last year. So, so far we're seeing that maybe that actually was for real. He's really improved his play patience. And if assuming his 250 Babbitt jumps, I think we will see him eventually settle into the top of the lineup, maybe leading off with Crawford hitting second because the team continually put crappy hitters in the number two slot like a lot of teams do. And if D. Gordon starts to hit and gets his 220 average up, I think he could uh, get himself up toward the top of the order, and that will really help the rest of the Dodgers lineup uh, knock in some more runs. Yeah, I'll admit that there's a little bit of uh, a hope and prayer involved in that ranking. But, um, you know, I've always been a guy who likes upside. And hey, uh, if yours was a hope and prayer, then I don't know what mine was, because I was even more bullish than <laughs> There's obviously a lot of flaws in D's game, but he's 25 years old. And, you know, so far he's showing the best power and patience of his career. And, yes, it's a small sample, but if you just add in AAA – now you've got 150, 160 plate appearances of double-digit walk rate, uh, an ISO over 100. You know these are these are baby steps, but these are real things that he needs to improve on, and he's doing them. And we know that he has burner burner speed. So uh, there's there's something there, and you know I would I would go looking for him if I you know my in my keeper league or, or something like that. I might see if uh, I could get him while he's hitting 220. All right, there's been one shortstop who we have not yet talked about who is probably ranked the number one shortstop in fantasy right now, probably top five overall hitters in fantasy, and that's Gene Segura, and he's actually part of our Twitter question of the day, and that comes from at Ken Erdetti, and he asks if he should trade Jay Bruce for Nolan Arenado and Gene Segura, and here's some context. It's a keeper league. If he got ja, if he got Gene Segura, that would push Josh Rutledge to the bench. So you're going to analyze how much of an upgrade is Segura to Rutledge. Obviously, you think that's a downgrade, um, given your rankings. And Nolan Arenado would go into his utility slot and replace either Gerardo Parra, Angel Pagan, or uh, Adam Eaton when he returns from the DL. He also has Ryan Braun. Norchika Aoki uh, and Starling Marte in the outfield. So my initial thought is no. Uh, Segura is not going to be an upgrade necessarily over Rutledge. Uh, Arenado is not necessarily an upgrade over Pagan or Adam Eaton when he returns. And you're trading, uh, you're, you're basically selling low on Jay Bruce. Do you agree? I would, I would. Um, I mean, functionally going forward, you're talking about a difference, you know, for me, um, Segura is a true talent, 10 to 15 home run hitter. So, you know, you're, you're talking about a loss in the home run category, um, maybe a, a bit of a gain in, in batting average, and um, probably, you know, I think that Segura is probably like a 30, 35 uh, stone base guy. So I think that you're 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 paying a lot for ten stolen bases from Segura at shortstop when you've got a lot of stolen bases coming in Eaton. And I know that uh, Eaton doesn't seem like he has the, the position locked down yet, 
But from what I've heard from the Diamondbacks, it sounds like he's the guy when he comes back and he's the center fielder. So we know he's got a lot of speed. You might be able to get that those speed that speed that you're trying to trade for free, you know, out of Eaton. Yeah, and really, I mean, we both agree. You're a lot more optimistic on Rutledge than I am, but even I agree that Josh Rutledge should be a starter in that league, assuming it's not a super shallow league. And considering he has Para uh, and Pagan and and Eaton still uh, on the DL, you assume it's got to be at least a 12-team mixed league in which Josh Rutledge should be starting. And I'm not so sure that Segura is an upgrade at all over Rutledge. So to get Segura to put Rutledge to the bench, I don't really see much of a benefit in that. Yeah, the the you know the rest of season for Steamer has uh, Segura at 278, six and 17. Um, you know, and that's that's probably seven stolen bases more than than Rutledge and. Uh, you know, four or five home runs less. So, I mean, yes, yeah, Segura is better, but you're just, you're buying so ridiculously high. Anytime a guy's hitting 349, just don't trade for him. You know, it's just, it's and, not going to, it's not going to be worth it. And I understand the, in keeper leagues, it's different. You see Nolan Arenado, he's a rookie. You see Segura, he's young and he's in, he's having a breakout year. And obviously, Jay Bruce is not old, but he's older than those two. And in the Keeper League, I mean, your eyes light up on the the chance to trade for these two guys who could be a cornerstone of your team for future years. But as I always say, play for this year, worry about next year, next year. And I think this year, Jay Bruce makes your team better than Arenado and Segura. So with that said, let's move on to our last consensus ranking discussion, and that is third base, which, speaking of Arenado, he fits right in. And actually, Nolan Arenado, we ranked at number 16 overall. We were actually surprisingly uh, pretty consistent here. Both you and I ranked him 15th, Zach at 14, Jeff Zimmerman at 17. So that surprises me for a guy who is a rookie who's had an up-and-down minor league career. And, yeah, that's a surprise. Does it surprise you? It, a little bit, yeah. And, uh, he's also going to be a guy who's going to be a little bit dependent on, on balls and play because he's a contact guy, um, and the power is a bit of a question mark. So, uh, I mean, anybody who calls Colorado home is going to get a power boost, and he did have a nice beginning of the year um, in AAA. But AAA for Colorado is almost the same as – as the majors in terms of uh, power boosts. So he's a guy who hits the ball on the ground, doesn't have a lot of speed. So you're, you're basically hoping for a 280, 290, 300 average and 15 to 20 stolen bases. Home runs. Um, at least the nice thing is that he's making contact at the major league level. So those balls are going into play and the Babbitt will rise and Colorado, his home park will give him some help. Yeah, all right. Uh, in Oakland, this is kind of interesting. Josh Donaldson is so far having a breakout year, and he's holding down the third base job. But in our rankings, you marked it with a red box, meaning he dropped. So how did that happen? Because I, I would assume that in the preseason, we weren't sure exactly how many at-bats he would get at third base. Maybe Jed Lowry would steal at-bats. and I mean, he was coming off of a meh year to begin with. So if anything, you'd assume that he'd really jump highly in the rankings. 
was just I... was this just a function of other guys moving around and even if even though we like Donaldson better, he just drops just because of other players? Uh, I'm going to make sure that I didn't make a mistake right now. That would be uh, real-time editing. Um, I've got Josh Donaldson was 30 going into the season. Yeah, that's a mistake. Oh, there we go. That is a mistake. He was uh, 30 going into the season, and he's 20 now. So uh, he moved up. I think people still didn't didn't like where we had him, but uh, he's definitely uh, should be in green. And I'm I'm changing that right now. Can you believe it? Awesome. Multitasking. Bre- breaking changes in our rankings. So I mean, to me, he looks like he's like Chris Davis. I mean, not in terms of skill set, but in terms of a guy who's currently breaking out. And when you look at all of the advanced metrics, they all support the guy breaking out, and they all suggest to me that yeah, this is for real. This is an improved hitter. And assuming he could sustain these improvements, this is a, a much better hitter, and the breakout is for real. And that's what Josh Donaldson looks like to me. And the breakout is helping his lineup spot because he's been hitting fourth and fifth in the lineup. I mean, fourth not as much because it was really when Cespedes just wasn't playing. But when Cespedes is in the lineup, he's been hitting fifth, which is a pretty good lineup behind some pretty good OBP guys. So I like Donaldson. Yeah, I think uh, for me the question is power, and he's and he's definitely shown he, he's been like a little bit every other year with the power. So, I uh, I if if you roll back the power a little bit, also you know his batting average on balls and play is pretty high. Yes, uh, it is. So you know, I would I just want to roll back the power and the the uh, batting average on balls and play, and that takes away his three hundred batting average and some of his power. So. Uh, you know what I've been doing instead of instead of taking the rest of season uh, projections for him, I've been looking at the updated the the sort of slash rates for the updated um, and and using that as his rest of season. So instead of thinking, for example, Zips has him for hitting 249 the rest of the way, I think that he's probably improved upon that because his contact rate is higher um, and he did have more power upside than he showed uh, full season last year. So. I'm willing to uh, to give him instead of the 249 zips system gives him for the rest of the season. I'm willing to give him the zips updated batting average with 268. I like so. that approach, and I mean it, it highlights that these rest of season projections sometimes may be too slow to recognize true skill changes, and that's actually also a positive of the system because they're probably going to miss on a lot fewer players than they hit on by doing it this way. But in this case, when all the metrics look like they're in his favor, they might be a little too slow to react. And I like that approach uh, for Donaldson. I think he's definitely going to beat his rest of season zips and steamer projections. Yeah, and steamer, wa- steamer wants him to end up with a 471 plate appearance total. And that's because he hasn't really been a full-time player yet. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point, I think, you know, we'll be trying to use the depth charts that are on our site. I hope that you guys have seen those. Um, the, the de- we now have depth charts on Fangraphs, and we can use those along with uh, Steamer and Zips to kind of provide uh, even better updated uh, in-season projections. So I'm not sure where that project is, uh, and maybe I shouldn't be talking about it. But uh, it, you know, it's not. It's not. A, it's a. It's a sort of natural leap to think about it. Once you have depth charts, there's all sorts of things you can do with them. So, um, you know, I think that 
the steamer updated the steamer updated projections having him at 471 is is kind of indicative of an idea that maybe he's not a full-time player but obviously with our eyes we can tell he's a full-time player so um yeah i think uh, maybe 270 15 more homers so he ends up the year just short of 300 for the year um with uh, 20 plus homers that's pretty good um you know it's not incredible in the mixed league though no, absolutely not. But a, a good deep league find, especially because I mean, I picked him up in labor due to an injury. I was just scrolling for you know any hitters who were playing. I'm like, oh Donaldson, all right. Uh, it, it was one of those like blind. I, I didn't really do too much of uh, analysis. He was playing. I needed a player for like a week or two, and he's been doing well ever since. And now suddenly I like him. So he's the type of guy who could have been had cheaply and. Now he actually is probably worth staying on rosters that picked him up kind of blindly like I did. All right, let's move on actually to a guy that surprises me. Manny Machado, we ranked him 13th overall, and I was the most optimistic at 10, and that shocks me. I had no idea that I would be more optimistic on Machado. If anything, I would have guessed that I was more pessimistic on Machado, and that's not the case. So I'm thinking maybe you guys are too pessimistic on him. Yeah, that could be. Um, it's just weird. It, I I don't understand why he has had low batting average on balls and play throughout his minor league career. Um, but you know, if you take his batting average on balls and play for his entire minor league career, it's below three hundred. And and minor league babbits are are well into the three hundreds. They're like three twenty, three thirty. So for some reason he uh had low babips even though he was stealing bases um and he doesn't look like an extreme fly ball hitter and um so that's the that's a little asterisk in my head that you know before this year his career batting average even if you included all of his minor league stops was like 265 um and you know maybe he's grown into himself i mean he's he's now 21 jesus <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I messed that one up. I, I just feel like, you know, I, I just look at, at the body of work and, um, I was, I was afraid that he's going to, I mean, even the, all the projections have him regressing back to that 260, 270 average. Um, if he regresses back to a, if we do the same sort of game where we take his updated instead of his, uh, rest of season, you know, a 290 hitter, um, with, you know, 20 to 25 homers and double-digit steals. Yeah, maybe he's a little light. And and you actually you asked about the bad bit and why it's been low. Well, he hits a ton of pop-ups. I mean, so far this year it's at 17%. Last year it was at 15%. I assume in the minors it was probably high as well. And so that basically means that his bad bit is guaranteed to drop significantly. I mean, this is clearly not a 300 hitter. So his batting average is going to dip below 300. But I like the improved contact rate. Uh, I mean, hitting second in that Orioles lineup is really good, especially with Nate McLeod's resurgence and unbelievable skill improvements. I mean, he's walking a lot more often, uh, I believe, than previous years. He's sandwiched between uh, Adam Jones and then you got uh, Weeders and Chris Davis and uh, Markakis. So that's a, a very good lineup spot to be in. And all these Dude, that's a that's a great uh, great find that that infield fly ball right. That is. He's actually got a very strange line because uh, there is a link between infield fly balls and fly balls. And to me, 
the big infield fly ball guys are the Mustakas types, the guys who have 50% fly balls or the guys, the Aaron Hill types, right? The guys who already have loft in their swing. And those are the guys that miss and, and send it straight up in the air. Uh, Machado's not that guy. This year he's got a good line drive rate, maybe not last year, but he hits more ground balls than fly balls. And then somehow he also hits a lot of infield fly balls. So I think he's a very interesting character. And uh, to have a like a three... 80 Babbitt with a 15 plus percent infield fly ball rate. That's just kind of crazy talk. So uh, I think either the infield fly balls will go or the Babbitt will uh, take a little nosedive and uh, we'll have to slog through a bunch of articles about what's wrong with Manny Machado. So, bottom line on him, is he a sell high or is it really a matter of context, what you can get? I think for me, it's a matter of contact. He's not an automatic sell high, but I still think that he's more of a sell high than a hold at this point. I, I think in redrafts, he's a, he's a total sell high to me because that, that infield fly ball is a, is, a, is a thing. Then his minor league Babbitts is a thing. Um, and, you know, in, in keeper leagues, the fact that he's 21 is a big deal. I don't actually think he's going to go back to shortstop. This sort of goes back to our discussion about Trout. I don't actually think he's going to go back to shortstop just because there's a lot of inertia when it comes to these things. He just, you know, they'll be like, oh, he's good at third and oh, this or oh, that. And we have this guy coming up or whatever. So, um, you know, but I do think that in keeper leagues, he's a better he's a better buy. Um, the infield fly ball rate is so weird. It is really weird. I'm taking a playbook. Uh, taking a page out of Mike Moustakis's playbook, your book. <laughs> the wrong page. <laughs> yes. Clearly, he flipped to the wrong page. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. So join us again on Sunday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.